All right, we're back. Episode four of the Clutch Team Podcast. I'm here with Dom. Yo. It is Monday night at eight o'clock, which means it's the end of the NBA week in America. Um, today, we're going to talk about the Celtics, their hot start, as well as Toronto, who just recently won against the Lakers. Um, you know, Van Fleet and the Siakam. Larry injury and Siakam. Um, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic and the Mavs. Surprise package, the Mavs being better as a team than what we thought. Uh, then we're going to look at some of our red flag teams. Damon Portland, no help. Houston. No defense. Yep. So we'll and then see. wrap it up with our clutch moments. Let's get into it. All right, so Boston Celtics started off the season with that loss to Philly, have gone on a seven-game streak since. They're ranked fifth offensive and defensive rating this season with the highest point differential. Hot start, Don. It's a very hot start. I think there's going to be consistent correlations with Boston all year with their changes to, obviously, the guard spot and Kyrie and Kemba. I think that's going to be a consistent thing where people are going to talk about the improvements that are probably what we've all seen and you've seen is... The increased ball movement. Yeah, the ball just more. does not stop. It's good. It's probably what they've had in previous times where we see Brad Stevens, where they've had a lot more ball movement and they've still been, you know, quite active. Brad Stevens has gotten back to the way he wants to coach. You've got a good spread of points scoring across that team. They're moving the ball really well. Defensively, I'm really surprised with them as well. I know going into the season, we talked about a lack of front court depth and we're really worried about how they were going to fill that hole of Horford and Baines. Um, I think they've done well and come in with an undersized lineup and still been able to fill those holes. Daniel Tice has started the season pretty well on the defensive end. He's really good. And they found one. Provided that. They found one in Grant Williams as well. Yeah. But those two, being able to, those two names that you mentioned, Baines and, Baines and Hoffa, we see what Baines is doing for Phoenix. So you think about losing that type of a player and losing Horford as well. For them to be rated that high and probably playing. I still think, though, that they probably had some really easy opponents. So we went through and we looked. Obviously, Philly, and then what they beat Milwaukee, they beat the Bucks at home, which was a good win because they were actually they were they were down handsomely in that game and they came back and won that won that game, and then there was the um, they haven't really had too much beyond that. They've been the Knicks twice, they've been the Cavs once, yeah. they've been the Magic. Um, they recently beat the Spurs on the Saturday. Spurs, they, they, they that was a pretty good win today. Big games, I think, apart from the Knicks game, the other. Th- opponents that haven't been that good, they've done exactly what they needed to do, which is absolutely belt them, which is all you can ask for. I think probably the most impressive thing has been Gordon Hayward's second-year resurgence after the injury. Unreal. And he's just been unlucky yeah. again. Stiff. Broken his hand. What's that, the 10th hand injury in the NBA this season? He can't catch a break, unfortunately, this uh, this guy. So he's going to be out for, like, what, I think it's four weeks? Four weeks at least, and then they'll reevaluate. So... It'll be interesting. The the depth is getting thinner and thinner. And I mean, we've seen them play that lineup of having Jalen Brown, Gordon Haywood, and Jason Tatum able to start. And now we're taking Haywood away. So you take Haywood Who away. Who fills that hole? I think you probably you probably just chuck in Marcus Smart. So Marcus Easy. Smart will start. Easy because you don't have to worry too much about defense. Like off- offensively, you're going to take a bit of a hit, but you could probably give. This is where Jalen Brown can get his time to shine offensively, which he's wanted. He's wanted to get more of that usage across that that part of the floor. So he's going to get that. I think they'll continue to do, be quite good, which is surprise. I had item six. I didn't think they were going to be maybe this hot. But then again, really small sample sizes, seven and one. They've beaten who they've needed to be and a couple of impressive wins in there. But 
they're, they're looking they're looking good. We'll see. They've got the maps coming up tomorrow, um, so that'll be a good test to see where they really sit amongst the you know the high achievers at the start of the season. Hundred um, percent. Beyond that, their schedule is looking pretty easy. They've got Washington, then Golden State, then Sacramento. After that, so um, the next four, they've only got one real test. But it's this this NBA man any day. Who it's going to be? The Golden State Warriors could do anything. They're not going to, but you know what I mean. Not going to the do NBA's anything, been, The NBA has been pretty crazy. Like that's and that's a pretty good segue into what happened today with the Raptors. Crazy. Like no Lowry, you go into the Staples Center, you beat a rolling Lakers team. Hot Lakers. Like they've just they're playing home games. They beat Miami the other day. They've had another one, and Toronto just finished the game extremely hot with the defensive plays. And you got to credit a lot to Fred Van Vliet's and Pascal Siakam's play. Pascal down the stretch has been unbelievable. He's able to create his own better than I thought he would be able to. I'm, I'm very surprised at how well he puts the ball on the floor at he the moment. Get, he he, can, he get, can get to the rack at will. He can get anything he wants. There was so many. There were some mismatches today where he just absolutely took full effect off him. That was the really good thing. He's actually so much more aggressive. And he's got this like killer instinct poise about him where... I don't know. I feel real safe. I feel real safe with Pascal that in the clutch he's going to make not only the right decision, but he's going to put the ball in the hole when they need him to. And I think after the game he was talking about how much the influence of Kawhi, which we all would have known that he's had, to see how it is that someone operates at such a high level under under that amount of pressure and how they handle themselves. You can see that rubbing off him in already. And yeah, he started like a superstar. He did, and I, I think what Toronto need to keep bringing, like they did today, is that bench depth. Um, you know, they had to shift Norman Powell into the starting lineup with Kyle Lowry injured. Um, that's about four weeks at this four point. Four weeks, yeah, with a hand. Um, so Chris Boucher stepped up. Terrence Davis hit some huge shots down the stretch today. Um, they even got ten points under Rondé Hollis, which is pretty good because so, I don't. Yeah, he's he's very difficult yeah. to to deal with, but. And I mean, you can chuck that team on, and they had a positive, you know, plus minus today. Thirty, um, overall, 30, 30 so. is pretty good for a bench man. That's absolutely what more could they have asked for for a team that isn't notably scoring a lot from their bench so far this season to get that. But man, these guys, Toronto, I don't think I don't know how much credit we give them for their ability to develop players. Like we look at now, Siakam, OG Ananubi, Fred Van Vliet. You talk about going out and getting a guy like Carl Carl Lowry from. Houston when they got him at the time, DeMar DeRozan, these guys that they develop are like, it's it's really impressive and we're getting, we're seeing another one in a superstar in Siakam and Fred Van Vliet could be, man, he could be like a Carl like a Carl, like a Carl Lowry. What more of a blueprint would okay. someone like that want? And man, that's it's impressive. I was saying before they've what this would be tenth year if they do it ninth or tenth year that they'd be covering their wins over under for the yeah. consecutive, which yeah. is man. Regular season, they have been kings. They're grinding. So that's been pretty good. I'm going to keep a really close eye on them for the next few weeks with Kyle Lowry not being on because he's actually started real hot playing the two guards. So that'll be interesting. Where do you want to go from here? Another pretty good team. You want to go on to Dallas? Dallas. Speaking of benches and speaking of help, we can like, that's like complete polar opposites in terms of what would have been going into the start of the season. But they're. I have to sit here and apologise to the Dallas Mavericks because I said they were trash beyond Luca and Pazingas. And having a look at some of uh, some of the lineups they've thrown out there to put with Luca, um, I couldn't see him getting more help from Dwight Howard and Maxi Kleber than he has to start the season at the Dwight moment. Dwight Howard or Dwight Powell? Dwight Powell. Dwight. 
You can, I can see how you'll get that mistaken because Damn, you know what? Dwight Howard is absolutely balling out these days. So, man, 100%. I was... So I had them ninth. Again, small sample sizes. But I was really big on their their help that Luke has got. In terms of... None of these guys are household names, but I'll tell you some names that are like... prop. You wouldn't think Frank Jackson could shoot the three, but he'd come out there give you an open three look that he'd be shooting pretty highly right now. DeLon Wright will give you... Some, he will give you defensive... DeLon Wright defensively has been fantastic He's playing next to Luca. game-changing impact for them. Stat-wise, maybe not on the box score when you look, but in terms of eye test, when you watch this guy play, he can really go out there and give you something. Then another person, Maxi Kleber. Man, those blocks, the defensive movement, you can play him in a small lineup. He's like Dwight Powell. He'll give Luca that person that he can throw to going down into the, into the paint. Jalen Brunson has been solid for them Jaylen as well, Brunson, starting. The other one as well, that it was a signing that knows their system extremely well, is Seth Curry. And Seth Curry played in the starting lineup, what, yesterday? He played the game two days ago where he scored zero points, and after the game I listened to it, and one of the reporters asked Rick Carlisle, hey man, is this going to be a point where you're going to now look to get Seth Curry a lot more looks, a lot more you know, shots that he can actually take? And he was like, this is exactly what I'm trying to do. Today or yesterday when he played, Seth Curry had like 19 points. So they've got a lot of different options, but I guess on the back of it, it's down to one person, isn't it? Luka Doncic. Down to this yeah. kid. The ball is in his hands a lot, and he's creating for those teammates, and that's why they are amazing right now. You can't, you can't credit him enough for what he's doing. Interestingly enough, we spoke about this earlier, uh, the team's actually better when Luka is on the court without Pazingas with the rest of that supporting cast Man. versus when he's on the team. That's a pretty crazy stat because do you know what that tells me? That's scary, isn't it? What do you think, like, nine games in that these guys have so much more development and they've started so well? And Kristaps look, looks pretty good considering the injury that he's come back from. His conditioning must have been fantastic this offseason well, because he's looking fully healthy. He he's rolling healthy. to the basket really well. He's fading. He doesn't... There's no rust on his shot and from what, con- I've, what I've seen. No, man, 100%. And the contesting at the rim, which we know he's... What he's done so well over the last few years, being the size that he is, he's so confident still doing that, which is great to see. But that stat that you put out for them to, man, if they can get it going so much more, they have so much more development to go. But this kid is, he's 20 years old. I think it's like ridiculous that we don't understand 20 years old, second year in the league. He's like, if Kawhi's like a Terminator, this kid's like just equally as such in the sense that his ability to just take on all the information and be like, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And just continuously advance. He's... I don't know, but top 10 player in the league right now? I, I think you can make the case that he's top five. Right now, what's impressing me the most is his ability and his confidence to just shoot down the stretch. Uh, that step back three is deadly. Um, yeah. Probably something he takes a little too much. Uh, but when needed, he's come, he's come up big. Like you saw him in that game against the Lakers. I know they ended up losing that one. But, you know, split head, split head open, he still made the play to, to, you know, get them up in the first place, make that game competitive. So... He's got the killer instinct. He's got whatever it takes to be a perennial MVP and a perennial, you know, put him, put him and his team in a position to be contending for titles for the next ten to fifteen years. Easily. So Easily. I think it'll him, be interesting to see how the Mavs build around him, who they bring in next, who they trade out. I think they still need one more shooter. I would still like that guard position to be like. I know Buddy Heald re-signed, but I'm talking about someone like that, someone of that like quality that can go out and get you a bucket and he can just pass it to. Because right now, he's making Tim Hardaway Jr. look 
you know, special from three where they got to actually consistently worry about him. Making him look worth his contract. 100%. And that's because so much of this, like, so much attention has to go into this kid that's driving into the lane or doing what he's doing. And, you know. Do Dallas need to make a move now? No, not yet. Look, wait. I reckon they, they can still wait because they've still got to see more from KP and Luca. They've got to give that a lot more time. I'm sure there's going to be, throughout the season, we're going to see KP rest and load manage, I'm sure. I'm still... I want to go really nuts about about Dallas. I wanted to before the season, but I still worry about KP a lot. I still worry about his body over 82 games. But small sample size, I'm really happy and I'm really excited that we get to see this Luca for the next 15 years. So as we said with Boston, they've got the Mavs coming up. So Mavs at Boston, so that'll be a good test as well. But then they go into playing the Knicks, um, then the Raptors and the Spurs. So that's their week coming up. Man, that's going to be interesting. It'll be an interesting team to watch. Keep an eye on them. I think Dallas won their last game as well when KP didn't play. I feel like they won that game. Was it against the Magic? Or was it against... Uh, no, it was no, against, Memphis. against the Memphis. It was against Grizzlies. Memphis, but that didn't count because Ja Morant didn't play as well. But nevertheless, it's still good to get that chemistry amongst the team without KP. So, one to watch moving forward. So, um, we've looked at some of the better teams. Now, we want to look at some of the teams that we think are showing red flags and signs of not living to their potential already. I think, uh, yeah, after the first... Like, just really red flags. Yeah. For, I think we brought up two teams that have pretty high expectations coming into yeah. the year, rightly or wrongly. But they have high expectations and where they've been over the last few years has come down to Portland and Houston. Yeah. So it's always going to be two Western Conference teams because the East is... I think Looking at the East, it's probably exactly... I think barring Orlando, every team that we said was probably going to be in the eight is probably... Around yeah. where they're supposed to be. There's no surprises. So, but the, the West, we always knew it was yeah. going to be wild. It was open. You know, we know Sacramento haven't yeah. done too well. But even then, their expectation was more fringe. So you could have expected yeah. them to drop off. But Houston or Portland really haven't done too well to start the season yet. Yeah. So I know Houston's record says 6-3, and three, but... It's a hollow 6-3. and three. It's a bullshit 6-3. and three. Look at the games that they've won. They've beaten the Pelicans, the Thunder. Teams that they're supposed to beat. They beat Washington Wizards in a defenseless <laughs> regular time. 159 to 158. They gave up 158 points to Washington, huh? And then they lost to... They lost to Brooklyn... They got absolutely. We we both watched that Miami game, and that was like we thumped them. The most trash defense. I know you guys absolutely thumped them, but how bad was it? Was their... one of the most effortless games I've ever seen by Houston. Poor. And then they had a close game with with Memphis, which is again no impressive thing. They beat Golden State, and again today, yesterday they beat Chicago. And I watched that Chicago game, and they were I had money on it, so they weren't impressive at all. So defense is a huge problem, but I think offense is just the biggest problem. Big of a problem. I'm watching James Harden dance for yeah. eight minutes of yeah. every game. It's pretty at the very least before shooting the ball. And these volume shots from their shooters like uh, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, like Russ is going to shoot. Russ shots. is shooting Russ shots. Is shoot shot. James is shooting shots, and we we they've got to depend on him hitting those. Otherwise, they're garbage because they don't play defense. So I think yeah, his start to the season shooting the ball is. I think he was missing. I read this random stat where it was just like. He's missing 10.3 shots a game, which is the most amount of like attempts to like some like 98% of the league. He's missing. <laughs> so that's probably going to change. I'm sure he's going to start shooting and hitting his shots. But they just don't, they don't have that much depth. But defensively, it's... They don't it's have the, any depth. I think they've got the worst bench depth in the league. Points scored per game. They'd be struggling really something hard. Yeah, they'd be battling. And I think offensively they're going to get it going because you, if you have James Harden and you have Russ, you're always going to be in with a shot offensively to make some runs and put the ball in the hole. 
especially with Harden. But I think defensively, man, that's a big worry. Like, there's some big red flags where you watch them on defense. I saw this one shot against Miami where Russ made a baseline jumper and he was the first person back to defense and was yelling at players as to why they weren't back on transition. And that's like a really bad sign. Why is he the first one back? And that's just a mentality and an effort thing. There's just no effort. The, you, you, can't, you can't underrate effort. Well, and they're just not running back on transition. They're just more interested in getting their shot. What what surprises me the most is how useless or irrelevant Clint Capella has been. On both they don't use him. They do not use him whatsoever. Um, defensively, he's not even that great of a shot blocker anymore. He's just not doing... He's he's extremely overrated. I know they probably talked about moving him after they signed him to that contract and there were some murmurs around getting him out or finding someone else, but... Can you move that contract now? That's pretty difficult to move. Like, what what do you do with that? Would you... What do you swap it with? Do you swap it with Stephen Adams and get and run that run that again with Russ and Stephen Adams? But I just think that they they fired all of their defensive coaches or they got rid of their defensive staff in the offseason. It shows. That's obviously showing massively giving up like 126 points a game. I'm not sure what changes as well. Like I'm not sure is it just going to be effort? Is that it? Or is it actually a lot more than that. We're going to well, see... Well, the, the, there's no defensive schemes there to stop teams from just taking getting, advantage of those massive holes. And they're just defenses. getting open buckets. It's like... Okay, there's no lane defense. Yeah, it's no lane defense. Um, I think they're going to be... They're going to be one to watch against teams that, you know, when they start playing the better teams in the competition, which we're going to start to see, how they're going to cope with that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. They've got... New Orleans coming up again. Then they play the Clippers, the Pacers, and the Wolves to round out their week. They don't play any back-to-back, so they've got a one-day rest in between those. I think those three games are, like, all really bad danger games. Good test. It's a good test to see what we can get from Russ and Harden. Can they both get it going at the same time? We haven't seen that yet. We've seen, yeah, very sporadically. We've seen Harden over the last probably couple of games now just get absolute buckets at will. But... We're going to see against the Clippers when they if if Kawhi's playing how they're going to how they're going to deal with that who's actually going to touch him or stop him you can't stop him but slow him down that could be a bloodbath rather and then they're going to have to deal with Indiana they're going to have to deal with Sabonis you're going to have to deal with Brogdon you're going to have to deal with actual team that's playing well over the next few games and who was the last team you said Minnesota you're going to have to deal with Minnesota Minnesota for them could be a problem because Kyle Anthony Towns is going to get buckets at will. Well, they're, they're the kind of team that can score if they really want to. So if Houston come out and want a scoring contest, they'll get it with the Six with and the three, a fake six and three. I'd be worried. I'm a little bit sad as that season goes on if they don't perform because the hate will come for us. But I think a lot more finger pointing is going to be done at James Harden. So we'll see. That's it. And talk about backcourts in trouble. Portland Trailblazers. What a... Average start to the season, four yeah. and six or three and six at the moment. I think four, four and six after today's win in overtime against Atlanta. Unreal. So how did they get pushed overtime? Get pushed overtime at home against Atlanta. I think the obvious red flag here is Damian Lillard has no help, especially at the wings. CJ McCollum has been inconsistent. We saw Dame drop sixty in a loss. Yeah, CJ. What did what did CJ have? He had a bad game. Four? He had like a trash game. You know, he, had, he had more than that, but he had a trash game. Like didn't shoot the ball, didn't impact. They're getting more an indictment on their help right now or the indictment on Dame's lack of help right now is that their second best player is Hassan Whiteside. And he's that's the, it. He just got called out for lack of effort by Shaq and, he, that, and absolutely rightfully that so. Half bad. He makes no effort. If he misses a couple of buckets, forget about it. He's not playing. I saw him doing it at Miami and I was 
praying that someone would take him and Portland in the situation that they were in, fortunately with Nurk, had to take him. So I'm really happy that he's Hassan's on. not with Miami. But he's giving them help that they probably didn't think they were going to get at this level. Oh, well, I certainly didn't think they'd get at this level. So that's an indictment. They just don't have... It's a solid big inside, but at the same time, you're not getting a lot defensively from him in terms of being able to rotate on plays, being able to guard, guard a really good big or defend the perimeter. So I think... And he's not, he's not the same shot blocker that he was when he started balling out for Miami. Yeah, and so, it's, it's really worrying that Dame's pretty much in every five-man lineup that the Blazers have to offer. It just means that they're just lacking depth. Got, they're lacking a playmaker. They're lacking... They don't assist the ball. Like, they don't... In team assists, they're ridiculously low. They don't, like you said, a playmaker. Their next best playmaker or shot creator after CJ is that kid off the bench, Anthony Simons, who's looking special. Or Rodney Hood, who started the season pretty slow. We know defensively Rodney Hood's not going to give you much, but mm. he can create a shot. We just haven't seen it consistently. I think the red flags with these ones is actually, we're talking about a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. I don't know. They did it again without Nurkic. They had Cantor, who again is a defensive liability, but they've had expectations. And I think it's going to get to a point where you can't waste a talent like Dane. Like, I'm sorry, you can't waste that sort of talent over the last two years that's gone up every single year. And even this year, he's gone up to another level. He's basically picked off what from his playoff and last season and gone to another level. And this is the roster that's probably not going to get him where he wants to go. So I think we're on the same train of thought. There needs to be some sort of roster move. Um, do they bite the bullet and trade CJ? Is that an option that's available? I just feel like, I don't know, I've, I was having debates with some friends where you talk about, like, I'd feel safer with with Dame if he had, like, a DeMar. But then at the same time, I think about CJ can shoot the three. I, I think CJ, CJ is just the ultimate tease because in the playoffs his last few years, and we talk, talked about in the first pod, he was absolutely dominant, balling 25 points a game, taking over, taking that load from Dame. And we question if he can do that consistently in the regular season. It just seems like he can't. He's, he's a slow starter. He has that same ability as Dame to take over a game. He just can't do it all the time. And I understand why when you have Damien there. But maybe that's why that backcourt doesn't work. Can it be hard? Is it really where he's not? Because their backcourt, whilst it's very, very good, it's not like a... Their usage makes up half the teams, Basically, pretty much. And then, then the rest of it, like you've got another quarter of that almost going to Hassan Whiteside. It doesn't really leave you much to do when Damien is a flat-out scorer. So you got CJ over there trying to do the same thing. Who's really outside of scoring the ball. What much else does CJ offer to that team? And I'm not saying that in you know by saying CJ is a bad player because I think it's fantastic. It's just the consistency to be able to score when you have got Dame coming out and doing the, doing that every night. Is that what they need to pair up with Dame, or do they need to trade him to get something else um, that I guess complements his game a little bit more? I think that's probably for right now. It's probably too much of a thing to say move CJ just because. They're trying to win. They're trying to compete. That's a massive, like, nuclear breaker. Like, it's it's huge. Like, it's huge. Up, but they've, they've tried this now for how many years? They've had yeah. the CJ and Dane backcourt for two years. I know it's very early in the season to make this War. take, but the yeah, red flag's already there. Yeah, it's been like it's been a good four or five years that we've seen since Dane, since CJ won most improved, that we've been able to see these guys yeah. be, like, a top-rated backcourt in the yeah. league. So I think for now, your probably best bet is to try and get a scoring power forward from somewhere. Someone that can give you a bit more spacing so they can open up driving lanes for CJ a little bit more. Because like CJ, elite handles, get to the rack and probably find a way to finish at the rack some way, somehow, once he gets there. 
I think the problem with why we're talking about CJ and a possible trade is because right now they just don't have any other pieces they can. You can't trade a Salem Whiteside's contract unless you're doing it for, you know, expiring contract reasons. And then, then they're like, where are you trading him to? Who's yeah. going to want to take on that big, knowing that they're going to get nothing out of it but if lose another could, talented player? If you could trade, it's probably the name that is always going to bother. For, for me, the two names, one is going to be Kevin Love yep. and the other name is going to be... Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is a... So we've got three. Aaron Gordon is <laughs> a sneaky one. The other one I'm always thinking of is a simple option is Danilo Gallinari. For me, it's always a pretty straightforward option yeah. because he's coming off and expiring. You can re-sign him for cheap. He's not going to get the same money that he was going to get. I think he was on like 20 mil a year for the last few period, for the last few years. But again, it, it leads me back to what do they have to offer? You know, you've got Kent Bazemore there with his expiring contract as well. Really, they only have contracting uh, expiring contracts to offer. They rate Anthony Simons a lot higher than I think yeah. the rest of the league does. I think he's almost in a no-trade situation with how he's loved their front offices. You know what? Rightly so. If you rate him, and he's shown some ridiculous signs to start the season where he's made some big buckets. And even in that last game where Dame hit 60, there were some periods in the game where he passed it off to the kid, and he might have missed a shot. He made a big bucket. He has a lot of trust in him. He's got a lot of trust, and he must know that he's a killer. So that's he's, he's obviously untradeable. I think Zach Collins is definitely someone you can move. Zach, Zach Collins is injured. He's out for four months. Yeah, I still think the teams will take a risk on it. It's not like a it's not like he did like a poor George Gordon Hayward ACL. He's done like a shoulder injury, had some surgery, come back, he should be fine. He probably be, you take you take the shot. Look, and he's got a he's got a pretty friendly rookie contract. He's making yeah, he's less got, than twenty million over the next three years, um, including that qualifying offer he'd get in twenty one, twenty two. Um so I think you they don't do, have too much to move, in my opinion, that you will get do, them the talent that they need yeah. back. There's nothing that'll bring in Apart from CJ, of course. There's nothing that'll bring you back a Kevin Love or a and, Aaron Gordon, and Aaron Gordon or a Danilo Gallinari apart from CJ. I wonder, the big risk is you get you move Whiteside. If you can move Whiteside... You I just think have, that's impossible. I don't think it's impossible because it's one more year. It's one more year. So he's it's this year. It's this year that he's done. So that's agent. fine. So that's a, big, that's a big kicker because a team, can, a team can sit on that for a year, suck it up, whatever. I think if you could go to Cleveland and be like, hey... Here's the Sam Whiteside. Here's maybe some sort of pick or some sort of other kicker that they can come up with. Give me Kevin Love and maybe give me a Larry Nance Jr. or a Tristan. I know Tristan Thompson's probably a big one to get in that as well, but maybe a Larry Nance and you can be like, all right, we have some insurance until Nurkic comes back with Larry Nance. We've got a competent player there. But I don't, I don't, I don't see where, where, does, where does Cleveland benefit? Like Portland don't have a pick to offer that's going to be a fantastic pick. And if they feel like they're going to be losing, why would they give that pick so Cleveland away? And then Hassan Whiteside is there. It's not like Cleveland are in need of cap relief in anything. They need to bump the cap up by playing paying players. They've got J.R. Smith who comes off the book. If they're able to get Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, that would be an absolute not, not miracle. Not Tristan Thompson. Maybe Tristan Thompson's so, a bit of a reach because he's averaging like 20 and 20 at the start of the season. So I, I think Kevin Love is obviously a big reach for them. I, without Anthony Simmons, they probably don't. And they're, they're at a... Again, this is why it's a red flag for Portland because they're in a, a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Because they don't have the talent, but you've got this player here who's playing like the best point guard in the league right now and you're not going to be able to give him what he wants. And you're trying to think, where are they going? And again, this is an early sample. They can turn it around. It's just... I don't think they can. I see some really bad signs, especially around their wing depth. I had them eighth coming into the season and it was basically down to just who am I looking at outside of Damian Lillard and CJ. And... I thought the coaching would be able to pick up for it, but it clearly hasn't. And again, 
it's been a short start to the season, so we still, won't they reach lost to, too They deep lost to Golden State, man. Yeah, they that lost was, to Golden that State. Was really and they lost to Brooklyn today, who got smacked. They lost to Brooklyn, sorry, when Dane put up 60 that we said, and they got smacked by Phoenix today. Like, it's a, I know it's an interesting NBA season, some crazy shit's happening, but Portland, we're going to be talking about this, and it's probably just going to end up being a thing where we just say, hey, Portland don't have depth, and Dane That's doesn't it. have help. So coming up this week, they have the Kings on the road. Um, they go back home and play the Blazers, then they travel to San Antonio and play Houston um, before going to New Orleans, which is next week. So those yes. are the next four games. It'll be interesting to see what they'll do. Like, you look at those teams and their teams really they should be competing with, if not beating, um, coming into the season. But now it'll be interesting to see what they make of those games. Whatever Portland, that Portland-Houston game is going to be interesting that we've picked these two teams so we can see what they're like against each other. But mm. I would whatever money I'm going to have, I'm going to put it on Dames over and... In that game, because he might score like... That's the uh, that's the first game Russ is playing since that elimination against him, so that'll be interesting so as well. Like, fuck, I'm going to have to put some sort of crazy money on either to do some crazy shit. I reckon that that could be one of the matchups to watch next week. That'll be a great one. But, yeah, Portland are going to be a team that we're going to consistently see, I think, being a big underachiever from where they were last year. I still have my hopes. I think Dame can try and, you know, uh, will them to the eight, probably top six. but. Ride this- they're just going to ride it's him into the be, ground. It's going to be really hard. It's going to literally ride him into the ground to get into the eight. That's what's going to have to happen. We'll see. All right. So on to our clutch moments of the week. We saw the Joker, Nikola Jokic, do it twice. First time against Philly. Um, Dom, you were a little bit disappointed with that because it was against your sixes. Pretty good contested shot. Not much you can do about that. Hey, it was a broken play, but he All ended right. up getting it, yeah. dropping the shot. Then he did it again today against Mini. 0.2 seconds left. Turnaround, fadeaway, jump shot over Carl Anthony Towns. Big, big winner in a game they almost blew. Um, then, Dom, I'll let you break down the next one. Corkmans off the inbound play from uh, Simmons straight to the corner. Dagger against Portland, man. That was crazy. Huge, huge shot. I couldn't believe they ran the play for him with all the other talent they had on the court. Um, but credit to Brett Brown's coaching and his ability to draw up that play. Uh, caught everyone off guard. Yeah, we saw the Bucks with a huge comeback against the Utah Jazz before Boyan Bogdanovich, their off-season pickup. Hit a man. massive walk-off three from the corner. That was a crazy um, game winner three, man. Amazing, amazing shot. And the atmosphere, like, as soon as he hit that, the crowd went mental. He loved it. Um, huge game. Huge, He huge bought game. out that game. Yeah. So, um, pretty He's been super valuable. Um, so, those were our clutch moments of the week that just passed. Um, stay tuned for some more. There's going to be heaps more. Heaps. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook. Watch.